Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app. I saw a headline in the Coeur d'Alene Press. <clears throat> it's a paper, North Idaho, um, probably the major city up here. And it said that misinformation had affected the police investigation into the murder of these four young people uh, in college misinformation Uh, what they meant was rumors Uh, before the media became obsessed with trying to destroy citizen journalism they would have said rumors this is so much more pervasive than and i'm pretty cynical so much more pervasive than i had thought you remember when secretary mayorkas was chatting with Rand Paul about Mayorkas's efforts to, you know, police and guardrail misinformation. Do we have policies? Do we have guardrails? Do we have yeah, standards? But here's the to problem. Ensure, we can't even I mean, agree. We can't even agree what disinformation is. This is you well, can't even agree that it was disinformation, that the Russians fed information to the Steele dossier. If you can't agree to that, how are we ever going to come to an agreement on what is disinformation so you can police it on social media? How will we? Well, I forgot a tenant of Saul Alinsky. When I was listening to that, there's a very famous tenant uh, from Saul Alinsky. Accuse the other side of that which you, you yourself are doing. Remember that? Oh, listen to this. Hi, I'm Devor Devchiche, contractor with the U.S. Department of State's Global Engagement Center, the GC. The GC leads the U.S. government's efforts to understand and counter foreign disinformation and propaganda. As part of that mission, we have developed seriously fun games that foster media literacy and help inoculate global populations against disinformation. That's a government contractor, as he says, using your money to create video games for young people that purport to inoculate them against disinformation. Do you remember what I talked about having spiritual immunity through the word of God? These games do one thing. They teach kids, don't you ever question the state. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. Strange days indeed, said uh, John Lennon. I know, he's, I know. I used to love him. Um, I'm much more wide-eyed now about the full picture of him. 
still a good song, Strange Days Indeed. Thank you, Soda Weight Loss, for making this possible, sodaweightloss.com. There is a fantastic report uh, from the Freedom for Freedom, or Foundation for Freedom Online. Mike Benz with this report. The U.S. government's funding disinformation video games. It's a game called Cat Park. This is according to a leaked State Department memo. So you are paying to produce a cat-themed disinformation video game to inoculate young people against what they describe here as populist news content. And they're right. That's what they're targeting. The game aspires to create a psychological vaccination against fake news in those surfing social media. U.S. UK governments plan to embed the game in local schools and education curricula around the world, especially, quote, ahead of elections. One of their tactics in the United States is to fill in the gaps. What gaps? The gaps that make it illegal for the government to censor us when we question the outcome of elections. It was Monday morning, incidentally, speaking of outcomes of elections, that this headline appeared um, on the, uh, the Epic Times. Quote, uncounted votes on overlooked memory card flips election in Georgia. The county's Board of Elections and Registration voted to recertify the elections November 8th, Kennesaw City Council special election. So we can say, well, it's just a special election in the city council in Georgia. And it is, and it's not. When they began the mail-in voting, I said to you, because I watched how they did it in the state of Washington, where they openly stole the election from Dino Rossi. And they did this. They kept counting until they won. Oh, we found the memory card. You found it. Can you tell me all about the chain of evidence around something you found? No, you can't. The chain of custody, rather? No, you can't. Who had access to it? Oh, I don't know. No, you don't because you found it. Pieces of paper locked in vaults don't have that possibility. So what's in this video game? We'll talk about that. In fact, we'll give you some samples of it. Hey, I really am hoping that uh, we can have a breakout Christmas for Alan's Artisan Soaps. If you're new to the program, uh, and first of all, thank you. Found this through a uh, promotion on Radio America or the National Radio Show or some of the uh, promotional spots running on Dana's show, etc. Thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, Alan's Artisan Soaps is run by a guy named John. I met him in politics back when I was working at the Republican National Committee as the chief digital officer. John reached out to me and said, hey, your email program's surprisingly good. Uh, I want to help you make it great. And John comes from a great background in digital marketing. And then he got discipled. Then he met the Lord. And this happened as he and his wife began to have kids, and they're blessed with three sons. Two of their sons have some real significant challenges, Alan perhaps the most significant. 
Uh, Alan is extremely high up on the autism scale. It also has some structural health challenges that have led this 12-year-old boy uh, through uh, seven surgeries now. And it's probably, probably going on eight and more. And John and his wife made a decision. Our son will not, will not be coddled, will not be stored. We, we refused to abort him, obviously. So they invented a company. And John took his background in company building and marketing and started Allen's Artisan Soaps, but he didn't want to produce junk soap. In fact, he's been offered by Amazon.com. They've said, hey, just let us make the soap. We'll outsource it to China. You'll make a lot more money. You'll never have to touch product. We just love the name Allen Soaps and that there's this autistic kid who's sort of the, uh, the mascot, except Allen's not a mascot. He works every single day at Allen's Artisan Soaps every day. And he invents many of the fragrances. So I'm hoping to have a breakout Christmas because, of course, we recognize the gift of the Lord Jesus in the form of a baby. We also recognize lives, that lives matter. And the party would tell you Alan's life doesn't matter. And the soap is fantastic. Three generations of family soap making expertise behind this because John reached out and got help. So it's alansoaps.com slash Todd. Allensoaps.com slash Todd. Use my name, Todd, at checkout. Get 10% off everything on that site. Allensoaps.com slash Todd. So the game is called Cat Park. And it's this is the voice of Devor the Civic talking about Cat Park, a gnaw adventure to inoculate players against disinformation. Hi, I'm Devor Devchiche, contractor with the U.S. Department of State's Global Engagement Center, the GC. The GC leads the U.S. government's efforts to understand and counter foreign disinformation and propaganda. As part of that mission, we have developed seriously fun games that foster media literacy and help inoculate global populations against disinformation. You might have heard of our first game, Harmony Square. Hi, I'm Ron Bordeaux, and I'd like to introduce you to my town, Harmony Square. It's a peaceful place known for its love of pineapples, swans, and democracy. And you are going to mess it all up. You play the role of a chief disinformation officer, and your job is to destabilize the community using nothing more than your wits, your keyboard, and a social media account. Harmony Square is a whimsical text adventure fun for all ages, but it's also a training exercise for players 15 and up to defend themselves against common types of political disinformation. Now, all the political disinformation comes from one perspective, limits on government. It comes from one perspective, skepticism about government. And it comes from the the direction of truly banal topics such as too much government spending. And the message in each of the games is, but our betters know best. The message is, oh, well, we're only spending a little bit of money here. and, And by calling it out, you're destabilizing us. So he shows a bit of that first video game. Scientists at Cambridge University designed the game on the principles of active inoculation. The scientists in that video are masked. 
information. Research has shown that people build a psychological resistance to disinformation after they've experienced it in the form of a game. Well, that's fascinating because for two to three years, there's been the biggest psyop in history where people were conned into putting pieces of cloth over their face to walk into a restaurant and then sit down and take them off. And they were conned into some of them even believed that made them safe. This is fascinating because we've been conned, not us, but the world has been conned into that man with a penis and testicles is a woman. Those are peaceful, mostly peaceful rights. That is never approached in these games. A peer-reviewed study found that people who play Harmony Square are better able to spot fake news and are significantly less likely to share it with others. Harmony Square was developed with support from the U.S. Department of State's Global Global Engagement Council. Global. The global PSYOP of COVID was just that. The global PSYOP of climate change, acid rain, global warming is just that. It's global. Global engagement. So the Harmony Engagement Center, the Harmony the Department of Homeland Security as a free resource to help communities around the world combat. The Harmony Square game led into the next version of this, which is the cat game. And in this game, what you do is you create memes because as you know, memes are incredibly dangerous. So you create memes. They give you all the talking points. You don't actually write your own. You pick from a selected list, a pre-selected list of things that are all populist. They're all questioning government authority. They're all skeptical about spending or about the motives of government. We are never to be questioning the motives of our betters, the government officials. That's what this is all aimed at. In their description of themselves, they write, with the internet, only two things are certain. The global appeal of cat videos and the pervasiveness of disinformation, says a State Department who is pushing the transgender lie across the globe says a State Department who destabilizes countries for a living, including Ukraine, and in my judgment is doing the same thing here. They're inoculating people against exactly one thing, questioning the state from the Freedom for Free... Uh, that's hard to say. Foundation for Freedom Online. The memo dated October 31, 2022, this is the State Department memo, details a government plan to roll out a new taxpayer-funded online game called Cat Park. The game is billed as a product that inoculates players against real-world disinformation by showing how sensational headlines, memes, and manipulated media can be used to advance conspiracy theories and incite real-world violence. Well, these uh, these vaccines... Uh, and up to 100% um, uh, effective, safe and effective. Experts say this was the safest, most secure election in history. Well, some people have turned to a drug that's a horse paste. <laughs> Government officials remind everybody that the vaccines are safe and effective. Black Lives Matter. Antifa doesn't exist. It's just an idea. There is no organization. 
Counting votes until you win is perfectly normal. We've always taken three months to count elections. Always. There's never been a time where we counted elections overnight. Well, let's be clear about something. I, I, never, I never shut down any, I never locked anything down. The FDA has recently come out and said, oh, you know, when we said uh, don't use ivermectin, that was only a suggestion, says the FDA, who literally posted a disinformation meme that said, you're not a horse. Why are you taking horse pace? That's what they actually posted. Accuse the other side of that which you are doing. Back to this piece from the Foundation for Freedom Online. However, there's more going on here than a simple cat-famed video game. As this report will explain, the GEC appears to be using taxpayer dollars to fund a behavioral modification propaganda game intended to make young people around the world view populist content online as being de facto disinformation. Exactly. The inoculation is against statements like Tony Fauci is corrupt. He takes money from pharma companies. Young people who grow up using this video game, look at that headline and go, ooh, let's, let's, let's piece that apart. He's corrupt. Well, that's, that's, off. that's, that's awfully, awfully general. He takes money from pharmaceutical companies. Oh, they always say it's money or control. Anytime someone says the government's seeking money or control, we know that's disinformation. So in this game's plot, and it's aimed at people 15 years and up, and by the way, if you're 15 years older and playing this game, good gracious. In the game's plot, the players assume the role of a social media user who makes memes and news headlines uh, to energize local citizens to stop the construction of local parks for cats. Then the players, realizing they've been spreading disinformation, must repent for their memes that resulted in the park getting canceled. The major crux of plot tension in the game is a concern that the cat park being built by the city's mayor ostensibly only serves the city's upper-income residents. Thus, populist resentment lurks within the lower-income strata as the city uh, who believe their own needs are being neglected by government officials. Huh, from what could that flow? Why would they want to protect against that? Washington, D.C. is a city that produces nothing, makes nothing, provides nothing, and yet people there take home in pay four times what the average American earns. They do this without marketing, except for propaganda, without providing product, except that which they take from others. There was a time when there was a trade. You were a public servant. You earned less money because you had job protection for life. Hence, pensions. You spend your life working for the government. You earn a lesser salary, but you have job protection for life, basically. And so we gave them pensions. Now, they have the pensions, more time off. They can earn multiple revenue streams by retiring, taking the pension, and coming back the next day as a consultant 
in which case they earn more money. Then they invented for themselves things like at the CDC and the FDA. FDA is funded. The majority funder of the FDA are pharma companies. At the CDC, scientists get to take a percentage from pharmaceutical companies' patents. They get to make money from the companies they supposedly regulate. But yes, 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 let's not have any questioning of the motives. Let's not question anybody in governments and their motives or their money. That's what this game inoculates people against, questioning government. Accuse the other side of that which you yourself are doing, Saul Alinsky. Oh, and there's more to this. Some of the people behind it, they, they admit to being propagandists. They have nothing, they, they see no problem with it. It's Remember that blue check who was saying, oh yeah, I, I'd hide the Hunter Biden story all day long. All day long. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with lying to the American people in mass. It's not him, but it's someone like him. Um, in this coming Christmas season, and gift-giving season, uh, there's an opportunity to support products made in America. And incidentally, you know what? I don't think we've got any products here not made in America. That's cool. I love that. Uh, one of the most famous products is my pillow, but you probably have them. And if you don't, you can still get them at mypillow.com slash Herman. And you can get them at a very, very good rate. But a lot of people don't yet have the, the towels. So let's go back through the genesis of this company. Right, Mike Lindell just crashed and burned his life for a little while. Alcohol, drugs, gambling, just crashed and burned. And one night, the Lord came to him and rescued him from that. And I mean, it was pretty quick. The Lord turned that around in Mike's life, but he said to Mike, you're going to help people sleep because you've caused so many sleepless nights. So Mike still does this out of Minnesota, not Michigan. That's been my era, my era, Minnesota in the town in which he had these experiences. So he developed some core competencies. One, manufacturing in the United States of America and still making a good tidy profit, God bless him, off of that. Employing people from small town America, providing 60-day money-back guarantees. They've done that with the new towels. The money-back guarantee is now extended through March 1st, 2023. So this all fits in his core competency is the creation of these very luxurious towels in which you can wrap yourself. You can get the six-piece MyPillow towel set. This is regularly $89.98 for only $39.98 at MyPillow.com slash Herman and use promo code Herman. On that site, you're going to find deep, deep discounts on all MyPillow products and get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $39.98. Shop MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. And I appreciate Mike Lindell coming back with us. We did work with him in radio, now on the podcast. And he's another guy. I'd like to see him looking at his numbers going, wow, the Herman audience. That's cool. MyPillow.com slash Herman. So who would run such an effort? Here's a meeting from the Council on Foreign Relations. It'll be the last question, but I just want to weigh in on that for one second. So 
There's another word for master narratives. It's called history. <laughs> Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and, you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as the chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it and they have to do it to their own population. And I don't necessarily think it's that awful. And this idea of a, of a, of a uh, car news cartel, I mean, I, I, I was editor of Time in 2012 uh, during that election. And I remember, you know, you're competing against cartels and everybody. I remember being on a panel with the then editor of the New York Times who said, it's really hard to break through these days. This is the editor of the New York Times saying it's hard to break through. I almost, I wanted to jump off the platform. Like, what's it like for the rest of everybody? So, I mean, there, there's no, I mean, there are cartels, but cartels don't have hegemony like they used to. The gentleman right there, last question. I don't think you want to address the issue in terms of understanding what happened in the world. Because what is happening in America is what I'm, the United States flipped on the global south and in the third world which we live with for many, many years in terms of a master narrative that was, was and still is propaganda. Brilliant, brilliant question. Because the United States has been engaged in exporting propaganda. And now we are in the midst of a cultural revolution that is being thrust upon us. If you are black, you are virtuous. You cannot be racist and nothing you've ever done is your fault. It's all the fault of white people. If you are a man who is deeply, deeply psychologically damaged, and perhaps it's through sexual abuse or something else that's happened to you, which is quite common, and as a defense mechanism, you've decided to pretend to be a woman, we're going to force everybody else to pretend with you. If you are a young girl, and most of the young girls who are discovering themselves to, quote, be boys, have been sexually abused, we're not going to disabuse you of that. We're going to medicate you. We're going to cut you up and shoot you up. We have in the United States of America, it's impossible for us to have voter ID. It can't be done. It's done everywhere else. It can't be done here because here it's racist, but it is not racist to say that black people are all virtuous. It is not racist for Harvard to do everything they possibly can to make it impossible for Asians to get into the colleges there. Impossible. We're in the midst of a color revolution in this country. Cops are our enemies, don't you know? That's the last step. One of the last steps in Maoist revolutions is cops are your enemies. Oh, and then we get to this. The biggest danger in the United States of America is not any of those things. It's not the drugs being brought into the country, fentanyl colored like candy, it's not that. It's not the collapse of the cities. It's not the empowerment of drug cartels. It's not the $330 trillion debt, if you count the unofficial off-books liabilities on books, but they don't count them that way. Unfunded, unfunded liabilities. None of that's the danger. China buying up our farmland and hence our water rights, the Chinese Communist Party, that's not the danger. The danger is something that is not in existence, which is vast armies of Christian nationalist white supremacists. That's the danger. And white people are to blame. 
And if you wear a Trump hat, you are a domestic terrorist. And these people are putting out video games for young people. You know what? I hate last questions. <laughs> Don't you? I never, I usually just want to end something before the last question. Um, but at any rate, I want to thank. This so he's not going to answer. He's not going to answer. Um, he's not going to answer. That's Rick Stengel, by the way, chief propagandist, global engagement center. He's running the organization that produces these video games, and he fully admits propaganda is not a bad idea. Well, as long as it's done by them. Because, once again, they're the smartest. They're the brightest. They're the best of us all. These are the same people who are inventing aspects of the Christian faith that does not exist. These are the same people who have wormed their way into evangelical churches and the LDS church. The LDS church is softening on on so-called gay marriage. Why? I would only be guessing. Evangelical associations, and I, I am qualified, I'm normally called an evangelical Christian. And even our churches and church organizations have been infiltrated. The Southern Baptists have been infiltrated. Here's a sign of infiltration. The Bible has not changed. The description of marriage has not been altered. The Lord Jesus, in his description of, therefore, a man leaves his family and joins with his wife, the woman becomes the wife, that has not changed. None of that has changed. The description of sexual immorality as described by the apostles has not changed, and it includes being active in same-sex relations. It also includes adultery. It includes incest. There are desires of the flesh that we are not to pursue because God knows what harms us and what doesn't. And as I talked about, I'm sure to the great discomfort of many, as I talked about in intimate detail, on Tuesday, that's really difficult sometimes to not give in to those desires. But these are the same groups who are infiltrating the churches and inventing from whole cloth scripture, so-called, that does not exist. I've played on the program this woman who contends to be a pastor and in fact has the title pastor and insists that God is a transgender woman, even though the word transgender means nothing. The God of pronouns. They're praying to the God of pronouns. There is one pronoun for God. It's always been he. Not to disrespect women because God made women too. This is what I mean by people of the lie. And they're trying to turn our kids into people who cannot possibly understand the virtue of questioning government what is our constitution on what is our constitution based it is that the people will have the right to question the government at any time what is american exceptionalism what is it is it the landmass? is it the beautiful flag it's not it is for the first time in history people being governed at their consent 
for the first time in history, a company, a country recognizes our rights come from God. They're not granted to us by government. That's what it means. I want to take a break. I want to take a break. Um, It was November 21st of 2021 when we launched this first cast, the first cast, this podcast. So number one, thank you, God Almighty, for giving us the ability to do this. Number two, there were 2,500 people who originally joined us on this podcast. Thank you. You found us after we wrapped up the radio show. And I'll always be thankful to Bonneville Communications for allowing me to wrap the show up the way they did. They were unbelievably kind, and I'll I'll never have a disparaging word about them. And yet, we didn't have all of you. So then I want to thank and, and just thank God for putting me together with Zach Abraham. Because quite understandably, the people at Bonneville didn't want to sell me the RSS feed, that's a technical thing. That's, that's basically your subscription to the podcast. They didn't want to sell that to me, even though I offered them a gob of money for it. But they sold it to Zach. And Zach has now given it to me. And they sold it to Zach for a lot less money. And they've now gotten now that this in our possession. It's ours because of my brother, Zach. I'm thankful for that. My longtime friend who worked with me at Bonneville Communications, Jerry Nash, at, uh, at Major Creative um, Marketing in Seattle, came up and said, hey, listen, let us help you develop revenue for the podcast. I love what you're doing. I love that you put God at the center. He came on board. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. My friend Dave Parkhurst came on board. Dave the Digital and built the site in short notice because Bonneville made the great... I mean, not great, but it was perfectly reasonable, sound, totally understandable decision to wrap the radio show up sooner than I thought they would. Totally, totally good idea for them. Dave built early. He's at, uh, he's, he's Dave the Digital, greenhaveninteractive.com. He came on board. Thank you, Lord, for that. And thank you to my friend, Julie Barrett, conservative ladies of Washington, who came on to do social media for us and much more. And you know what's interesting about all those people? With the exception of Zach, I met them all through some significant pain. Jerry was part of the prayer group for our daughter, who prayed consistently. His partner, Russ Simber, beautiful friend, also at Major Creative Marketing, prayed for our family and our daughter through that entire period of time. Russ is a partner at Major, and I should mention him more often. Often. So I wanted to take that break and loop it right back around to you. It was more than a year ago now that we started this thing. Whoever thought that God would bless us with being in the top one half of 1% of all podcasts globally. Whoever thought he would bless us with a relationship with Radio America who's not going to be bending on free speech issues and who lets me do the cast in the way I want to do it in the radio show without limits on my editorial judgment. Thank you, Father God for creating a team of people like this, particularly these listeners, and for my family who stuck with me through yet another risky scheme. Right, honey? So these are the sort of people who create stuff like this. 
And this is what we're facing. And when they go through creating things like this, we can spot their works. We can spot it with simple things like this. This is Michelle Obama. Her husband was twice arrested, elected president of the United States. He swept the globe with, with adoration. He, is, he, he caused uh, ripples of pleasure through the legs of MSNBC hosts and, and National Review liked the crease in his trousers. And yet Michelle Obama will tell you she was the victim of terrible racism. Absolutely. It's black women we deal with it. The whole thing about do you show up with your natural hair? You know, um, breathe, y'all. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, as first lady, I did not wear braids. <laughs> the first black. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, we got to ease up on the people. <laughs> you know, it's like, because I thought about it. I was like, it would be easier. <laughs> Nope, nope, they're not ready. Yeah, because I didn't notice she was black until she put those braids on. You? You know, for the longest time, I thought she was a white woman. And then the braids came on. Now I'm looking at her. I, I, I don't know about you. I think she's going to come up and be carrying a torpedo of old English and, and reach for my wallet. That's what she thinks of us. Uh, for the record. <laughs> For the record, this is a weird thing to say. For the record, I rather like black women's natural hair. For the record, I find it attractive. For the record, but we can spot their works in things like that. Michelle Obama was at no risk for showing her natural hair. You can't be elected twice and be lionized as your husband has been lionized through propaganda, incidentally. You don't get to do that and then say, dang it, man, we are absolute victims of racism. At the same time as you install racism in others, you don't get to do that. Not for those of us who are truly inoculated, who truly understand that if you are listening to someone who hates thy neighbor, you are listening to someone who is acting against the will of God, Black Lives Matter Incorporated and Antifa. If you are listening to someone who is attempting to install in your kids the ultimate authority of government being the ultimate authority and not even a government system, but bureaucrats, you know you are dealing with someone who is acting against the description of God for only God is our ultimate authority and beneath him in the United States, our constitution and that system, that's the authority. We're inoculated when we see people attempting to install the act of coveting into the hearts of people. That your success is dependent upon getting revenge through people who've done nothing to you and did nothing to your relatives and did nothing to the people who preceded you. Your success as a black person is dependent upon white people who never held slaves, whose lineage never held slaves, giving you money, though you yourself were never a slave, nor was anyone in your lineage. That's the only way you get success is to covet. We're inoculated in that way. And there are people, academics, 
parts of the party who cannot see because they've been blinded that what they're really doing is the exact same thing of which they're accusing us. We're going to spend more time on this as the week unfolds. Well, no, actually, because no, what am I saying? I'm going to take Thanksgiving off and the day after Thanksgiving, but we're going to spend more time on this next week. But there are people involved in the creation of this, professors, who are contending to answer the question, how do we decide what's true or not? And if you watch their work, it also comes from exactly one perspective. It comes from the perspective of global warming, climate catastrophe. They take in their videos, the tanks in China rolling over the citizens and they juxtapose that to weather shots of, of homes being destroyed by hurricanes. Because don't you know Tiananmen Square and hurricanes are the same thing. The glaciers melting. They show shots up close of viruses. Then it's Trump. Then it's forest fires. Then it's the Beatles and JFK. All the touch points of the left. Then it's J6. And then it's happy, smiling, intersectional faces. All of them looking at a computer, all of them being sucked in by fake news. And then it's professors who sit and explain to us what's true and what's false as they sit in a stylized studio, black and white. Sander Vander Linden, psychologist. So how do we decide whether something is true or not? One interesting mechanism that the brain uses to decide whether or not something is true is something we call fluency. Fluency has to do with how familiar something is. So the more you hear something, the more it's repeated. Republicans are racist. Republicans are racist. He puts up here, let's make America great again. Republicans are racist. Republicans are racist. They hate women. They hate women. Uh, trans women are women. Trans women are women. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. Safest, most secure election in history. Safest, most secure election in history. However, experts say they're safe and effective. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. But he's not calling that out. No, it's just let's make America great again. The more familiar it becomes and the more likely the brain is to think it's true because it uses fluency as a signal for truth. Come on, Donald Trump told people to inject bleach. Donald Trump told people to inject bleach. Donald Trump told people to inject bleach. So often when we talk about fake news and disinformation, we talk about elections. You know, has fake news disrupted the... There is Donald Trump's Twitter stream. That he's showing. The presidential election in the United States, has it caused Brexit? Those are very difficult questions to answer. Did disinformation cause Brexit? Um, no, it's difficult to live through disinformation. You can hear it. But when the people of Brussels came to the people in England and said, your toast is too crisp, you don't get to cook your toast to that level of crispness anymore. That was one of the things that broke the back or what people see with their own eyes. My goodness, there's entire parts of my, my city. I can't go without being accosted by aggressive Muslim men saying, get out. Even Vice.com had that experience. They, they questioned the no-go zones, and then they drove through one. Or rape squads and sex trafficking squads of, of, of Muslim men grooming and then drawing into child prostitution hundreds of British girls who reported this to the police. This is happening to us, and the police and social workers wouldn't pursue it. Why? Because they were afraid of being called racist, racist, racist. Because we're looking for a direct causal link between the news that people read and their voting behavior, which is very complex. 
But people often forget that there's also indirect consequences of the spread of fake news. And one of those indirect consequences is that it harms trust in democracy, trust in media, and trust in institutions. Now it's Hitler. Now he gets to Hitler. Skepticism harms institutions. Skepticism in the face of full reason to be skeptical harms institutions, right? There's a saying in, in, in product development, destroy your own products. Destroy your own work. Creative destruction. You know, you're at a super dominant level in business. You've got 60% market share, 70%. Consumers love the product. You know what smart companies do? They put together teams to attack the product. Not necessarily to hack it, but how would we counter our own work? How would we come and destroy or disrupt the marketplace? Google did this in, they did it in response to what Microsoft did. Microsoft got far behind in the internet because they couldn't see it because they were too dominant. So they started to hear bubblings up about the internet, but they didn't invest because, oh, we own, we own the desktop and, and we own the enterprise and this can't get around us. And once it got around us, they put together a team of people who said, cut off the air supply of Mozilla Firefox. That's the famous case that brought the DOJ into Microsoft. I worked at the Microsoft, Microsoft post DOJ decision. It was a fascinating place because there's things we couldn't do. We weren't allowed to secure our software, incidentally. That was one of the things that used to drive our security people nuts. I got to go observe a meeting about this. It's a fun story. I'll tell you someday. But I talked to one of the, um, one of the guys in, in the security team and said, hey, why don't we just secure our ports? He goes, oh my gosh, I hate this question. We can't. We are not allowed to ship product with our ports secured. You think we don't know about securing ports in a product? The DOJ won't let us because they say that's antitrust activity. I worked there. They missed the internet. And then in a move of brilliant desperation, they went out and created a free browser to cut off the air supply of Mozilla. Later, Google did the same thing. They did it in advance. They said, we're really dominant in search. Where are we vulnerable? Mobile. What are we going to do? Let's make our operating system free. Let's disrupt. Now, Google is truly an evil company. Microsoft following close behind. But that's what they did. Skepticism. Being skeptical of their own work led them to that success. Government that fears skepticism is government with something to hide. One of the biggest fake news campaigns of all time occurred during World War II. Nazi Germany printed leaflets, booklets, there were paintings outside of shops, uh, cartoons, and their whole education system was geared towards brainwashing people. And lots of studies have documented the influence of that campaign on how- Brainwashing people against other people. Black lives matter, but only black. White adjacency. White privilege, white fragility. Check your privilege. He doesn't notice any of this. How people think about other groups in society, even until this present day. 
So my own interest is in the psychology of persuasion and influence. How do people become persuaded of information? And one day I was sitting in the library of the university and I was reading an article from the 1960s by a psychologist named Bill McGuire. And he was writing about ways to actually help people resist influence when they don't want it. And he was talking about how everyone's obsessed with influencing each other, but in fact, uh, there's almost no program of research that looks at how to help people resist unwanted attempts to persuade them. So that's where my interest is in helping people resist persuasion when they don't want it. No, it's not. No, it's, it's actually not. You think that's your interest, but you're a victim, professor. That you can't see the programming coming from our government as wrong. You're a victim, sir. So our current measures often revolve around debunking and fact-checking. We're trying to undo the damage when it's already done. And we know... Safe and secure. Safe is most effective. You've debunked nothing. We have done the debunking. We did it on COVID. We do it on, this, on, this, on the 1619 project. We do it on, well, Jesus never spoke about homosexuality. We do it on, there was no, no sign of election fraud in 2020. Yeah, not true. Retired state Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin said it was broad and widespread. From lots of research in cognitive science, that it's very difficult to correct information once people have already been exposed to a falsehood. And this is what we call the continued influence of misinformation. Once you're exposed to a falsehood, it settles in your memory. It makes friends with other things that you know to be true. And people tend to retrieve false info from their memory, even when they acknowledge a correction. This is what I mean about the smartest people in the world being just utterly, utterly stupid. And I don't mean to be insulting to this man. I'm not. I'm, I'm really not trying to insult him. I would love to sit with him and I would love to say to him, if white fragility exists, does black hostility exist? Because white people are being characterized to be fragile and afraid of important discussions and losing our, our so-called privilege. Well, the cliche of black men, the racist structure for black men has been they're all hostile and can't wait to rape the white women. So can we come out and talk about black hostility now, professor? Can we talk about Asian coldness? Can we talk about Jewish greed? Oh, no, those things are all very, very bad. Greed, agreed. Why is it okay with white people? He can't see it. Guys, I hate to repeat myself. Makes me feel like a bad host. But we are living in a time where people have been rendered blind and deaf. They're captive. That professor is a captive. He doesn't know it because he's helped construct the prison in which he lives. And only the Lord can free him from this. But I want to close with something. <clears throat> that relates directly to this topic. I was in Washington, D.C., and I took some time to myself, and I went to the Museum of, of the Holocaust Museum. And I toured it on my own. My family wasn't there at the time, and I just wanted to see it. 
And I went there on my own. I'm walking through. And the first thing I see are our history students with T-shirts that say on the back of them, these were AP advanced placements, um, you know, good students grade wise, but knowledge wise, absolutely, absolutely ridiculously bereft of knowledge. I know because their T-shirts on the back said, we are not affected by history. We affect it. Arrogance, hubris, human pride. We're not affected by history. Uh, You young ladies who get to walk around in t-shirts get to do that because of history. You young men not speaking German, you get to do that because of history. It affects you, but they're wearing these t-shirts. And then I walked into the exhibit and this, you know, it zigzags so they can make more room. You know how that works in museums. It's this dark space and they're showing how Hitler used propaganda tools He made free LPs. The people who ran Hitler, well, I mean, Hitler was a megalomaniac, so he probably ran himself. But the people who worked for him created LPs, fake free records, and sent them out. Like the AOL discs we all used to get in the mail 16 times a day. They sent them out. Most people had phonographs. That's how most people heard Hitler speak for the first time. It was spammed to their house. And hence, they were exposed to it. Then they showed a picture of Hitler. It's a famous, famous picture. And Hitler is shot in black and white. And it is in the golden ratio with Hitler in the bottom third of the the picture. The top three quarters being black space. And stylized with a shadow on Hitler's face. Next to that, they showed some pictures of the Beatles in a similar pose. And I don't recall the order. No, I do. It would have been John, George, Paul, Ringo, all of them receding into darkness. And some girls looked at those pictures, looked at Hitler and said, oh my gosh, that's so creepy. I can't believe anybody fell for that. On the back of the girl's shirts was the Shepard Farley picture of Barack Obama stylized after Shea Guevara who stylized that after that Hitler photo that was the inspiration they didn't see it they couldn't see it our state department is so afraid of skepticism and so bought in to the color revolution They want to assure that our kids see skepticism of government as sin. Unforgivable. So how do we truly inoculate? The word of God. Why? Because it will show us when people hate their neighbor. It will show us when people consider themselves to be God. It will show us when people live in the lie. It will show us when people teach others to break the Ten Commandments. It will show us the spiritually blind. It will show us the captives. Oh, by the way, that's a dual-edged sword. It is. Because when we see the captives, we are then required to pray for them and to help try to free them. It's a dual-edged sword. Hey, this is the Todd Herman Show. We're going to take uh, Thanksgiving and the day after off. God bless you and your family. I will see you Monday. Now, please go be well. 
be strong, be kind, and please join me in thanking the Lord for all the many gifts he's given us. And dear friends, sometimes, and it took me a long time to learn this, sometimes the struggle is the gift. 80% of Americans are short on magnesium, which leads to feelings of anxiety and terrible sleep. If you're not getting the sleep you need, get to bioptimizers.com slash Todd, use promo code Todd, get 10% off all their products, particularly magnesium breakthrough. This is the product I take a couple hours before bed. It's not a sleeping pill. It's nothing like that. It it fights anxiety because it regulates the hormone cortisol. Magnesium does that. Magnesium Breakthrough has all seven forms of magnesium. So I feel relaxed. You guys have never seen me relax. I can't be relaxed and do the show. When I relax, I feel warm and ready for sleep. And one of the greatest pleasures in the world is reading a book in bed after you have your talk with your wife and you're praying. You're reading a book and the next thing you know, you wake up in the morning. I never get that unless I'm on Magnesium Breakthrough. Go to bioptimizers.com slash Todd. Use promo code Todd to get 10% off all their products, including Magnesium Breakthrough, so that your dreams can power your recovery of your body, and then you can power life. Bioptimizers.com slash Todd, promo code Todd for 10% off. We are people who prepare, right? We see what's coming and it's wisdom to prepare. God tells us that the wise see a storm coming and the wise prepare. We build our houses on solid rock foundation. Make sure that you in your home have built on a solid foundation and being able to handle the worst that comes your way. Get to fourpatriots.com slash Todd. Check out what they've done with the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. This now has 12 AC outlets, two USB 2 connections, which charge devices twice as fast. It has two times the peak power of the other solar generators, and it's still a bug out kit dream. You can pick this thing up and take it with you in a, you know, maybe a minute's notice, not even that, 30 seconds. But here's what they've done now. Fourpatriots.com slash Todd will give you the solar panels for free so you can run medical devices, refrigerators, freezers, etc. in your home, your computers. And if God forbid you have to bug out, you take it with you. Even if it's just because there's a flood or something like that, you'll want power with you. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Todd. Remember, you get free shipping on orders over 97 bucks. Plus, you get peace of mind and the ability to help a neighbor because we all want to be able to do that. Fourpatriots.com slash Todd. The Supreme Court rejects 14th Amendment arguments for kicking Trump off the ballot. The Biden administration admits secretly flying 320,000 illegals into the country last year. And some unhinged never-Trumpers want to ruin the lives of people seeking a no-labels third-party candidate. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad, and crazy news of the day, and hopefully a lot of laughs too. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. How much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Are Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.